0: To end the Word with Pastor Don Haskins where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Continuing in 2nd second- Corinthians chapter 12, I would say that there are some messages that can be memorial stakes in your life. And this is one of those memorial stakes for me in some of the things that we'll be talking about here today. I just hope and pray that this will minister to you as it has to me. Paul is dealing with a church in Corinth that is struggling to maintain any kind of purity in their their life. And And they're struggling to discern who they should listen to and who they shouldn't. And when we look at Corinth, we can oftentimes look at our own society, our own culture, because many of the things that the Corinthian church was struggling with are things that we struggle with today. No, they didn't have social media, but they had all of the things that came with social media. They have a lot of open and free will sin that will that they'll exercise it and they will justify it away in their Christianity. And because they justify it away in their Christianity, which is never a good thing to do, gang, um, if a pastor stands up and says it's OK to sin and And, you know, it's a cultural thing, you know, and and even though uh, we see in the scripture that it says that we ought not be doing these things and yet we accept it into the church and we do accept it into the church because the Bible was not meant to be a black and white book, but it was meant to be a color book to where we basically allow the word of God to change In order to adapt with the society and the culture in which we live. And so therefore the culture dictates what the word of God says. And not the word of God dictating what the culture should be. And so there's always a danger in that. And it's it's a danger that's been going on for centuries. Uh, for, for millennia. And people want to do their own thing and then justify it and t- twist the Word of God in order to make it say what it is that they want it to say to allow their lives to continue to be involved in. Much of that was going on. And many of these teachers that were out there in Corinth are m- much like the teachers that we have today. You just have to turn on the TV and see some that smile real big and they open a Bible. They, they, they have the name of their building, you know, the name of their organization says church in it, so it must be church. And he opens a Bible, so he must be Christian. And he's a pastor, or she's a pastor, and, and so it must be truth. And it's a dangerous thing to just accept wholeheartedly what anyone says from a pulpit uh, if you don't check yourself to what it is that they're saying in whether or not it's accurate or it's false. And anytime someone minimizes sin at the expense of saying, "Well, God just wants us to love." Well, yeah, God wants us to love, but God wants us not to live in sin also. You know, uh, those are not mutually exclusive subject matters, you know? And sometimes preachers or teachers and I and use that word very loosely or pastors especially loosely We'll say it's this, you know, God wants you to be happy. And that's what, you know, worship is about is to make you happy. You know, that's what church is about is to make you happy. You know, Church is about to make you wealthy. Or church is about to make you feel good in the life that you're living, even though your life may not be measuring up to what the word of God says. It's okay because we live in this culture. We'll know this. Corinth was that culture. They were living according to their culture. And Paul came down on them and said, No, these things are not good. These things, are, these things ought not be numbered among you in the church. Instead of patting you on the back, there should be shame coming upon you for allowing this into the church. It's a cancer. And because of that, some began to minimize Paul, minimize his teaching. Can you imagine minimizing the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine saying, Ah, the Apostle Paul? I don't want to listen to what that guy has to say. Because this guy over here, who really, really looks really good, he has a lot of really good clothes on. I mean, he dresses to the nines. His hair is is you know, there's not a hair out of place. Everything about that guy looks perfect, you know and man is that guy funny? Man is that guy a good teacher. Man is that guy whatever it is. Man he makes me feel good when I leave. He makes me entertained. I love being entertained. Church is not church is not the improv. I'm not saying that we have to be stuffy from the pulpit. Lord knows. You know that sometimes I get myself in trouble by simply trying to be funny at times uh, because I can't tell a joke for the life of me. You know that. I say a joke, I'll laugh, but you guys don't. But it is what it is. But here's the thing. If my whole purpose of getting up here is to make you laugh, if my whole purpose is getting up here to make you feel good, My whole purpose is to get up here to give you entertainment. Well, then I have become nothing more than a stand-up act. That's all I am. It's the improv, you know. The improv church. I'm sure that there are churches out there called the improv church. It wouldn't surprise me, I should say. I'm sure that even as I say that, somebody might Google it and say, hey, is there really truly an improv church? Don't do it. You don't have to do that, but... I know now now you're all tempted. I want to do that, and you're going to be thinking about nothing else for the rest of the service and so i'm sorry for planting that that thought in your head. Church at the improv you know and and and, and so that's not what church is about that's not what we come together for that's not what Paul came together for and the, the church in Corinth they looked at he looked at them and he's going my goodness these are people i love so much not just because it's the church and Paul should love the church that's not necessarily you know the whole reason why Paul was was you know talking to them and writing them letters you got to remember Paul was the one who started this church he's the one who brought the gospel to Corinth prior to that time it's something that is very foreign to us all we have to do is go down a street any street in, you know, any kind of well-trafficked street in Sarasota, and you're going to find two or three churches, aren't you? I mean, it's foreign to us to think that there would not be a church in Sarasota. It's foreign to us to think that there's not a church anywhere. In fact, if you were to say, hey, man, did you go to church? And the whole of the populace would say, huh? What are you talking about? What is church? (laughs) What's church? See, it's, it's a, it, to us, it's a normal thing to have churches around. It's a normal thing to see steeples and crosses on the top and stained glass windows and church marquee, marquee signs out there that say something, you know, uh, you know, funny from the Lord, you know, to you. You know, something usually to bite you, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it's not uncommon for us to see that. It's something that's familiar to us. But you got to remember back in this day there weren't those churches there weren't things like that there weren't buildings like that with steeples and you know crosses on the top this is where people would gather at people's homes they would gather maybe in a in an open square somewhere they would find a place to gather wouldn't necessarily have to even be a building it could be out by the seashore It could be anywhere where the church would be coming together, where people would be going, hey, let's get together over in this location. We almost had to do that today. (laughs) You know, with all the water that we had flooded in here, you know, I was going to say either bring a canoe or we're going to have to go to one of the other rooms. But here's the thing. The church back in that time was not necessarily a, a building that had a marquee name on it. It was where everybody went. You understand that church isn't a building? Church isn't a building. Church is not where we go. Church is who we are. That's what church is. Church is not where we go, a building, a location. Church goes with us wherever we go. You and I are the church. It's not about, you know, building up the walls of this building or or all of the different things that go on in this building. It's not about the building. It's about who are we in this world. And to the Corinthian believers, they got saved. They started walking with the Lord. And then teachers began to come in that looked the part Sounded the part, carried the you know, the the, the the materials such as a Bible, they didn't necessarily have a Bible because this was all being still written. Might have the Old Testament, you know, some some, you know, scrolls of an Old Testament. They might have something written down to remind them of some of the things that the Old Testament says, but they get up there and they speak with authority. They speak with with a a in a position of authority to the people and they look the part, they sound the part, they look everything about them is the part. But they begin to change what the gospel is. They begin to change what God desired to happen in the church. We're living in a day and an age where Many people, especially in this country, are flocking to churches that will not convict. Will not speak on convicting passages. Because convicting passages don't make me feel good when I go home. And if I don't feel good when I go home, then I don't want to go to that church. I want to laugh or I want to be entertained. Are you not entertained? (laughs) Here's the thing. Church is not an entertainment facility. And Paul saw that the church in Corinth was being sucked into that vacuum, that black hole, that would create nothing more than people who look good, smell good, and act good on their way to hell. And Paul didn't want that to happen. He didn't want these people in Corinth to suffer a fate that was... Enormous! It was the, the, the most drastic fate that anyone could ever experience. And that is where God would turn his back on you as he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Paul cared more about the people than he cared about his popularity amongst the people. Paul cared about the congregation in Corinth more than he cared about whether they accepted him or not. But Paul finds himself in chapters 11 and 12 having to defend himself a bit. Saying you guys are very caught up in the external things. You're caught up in the way the guy does his hair. You're caught up in the designer clothes that he wears. You're caught up in the way that he can eloquently speak to you. You're caught up in the things that he says that he is. The problem is is that you're not Checking what it is that they're saying. They're ravenous wolves. These guys are messengers of Satan that have come in to dissuade you and to deceive you into not following the Christ of the Bible but to follow the Antichrist, if you will. And here's the thing, guys. If you think that it's just because these guys are archaic, it's all the way back in the days of Corinth, please don't mistake... This message, and please listen to me, it's happening in the vast multitude, I believe, in, this own, in our own country. In our own country. It can happen with us. Social media will help you feel good about your sin, but put a Bible verse, tag a Bible verse on, to allow you to feel good about your sin. That's never what the Word of God was ever intended to do, is to make you feel good about your sin. To make you feel good about living and continuing in something that is a lifestyle or a life that is an absolute direct contradiction to what the Word of God says. And if that's the case, then you have bought into the lie of the Corinthians. You bought into the lie of the Corinthians, and Paul would be saying to you the same thing that he's saying to them. Guys, open your eyes, wake up. And he did that with the many churches. You remember in the church of Galatia. He said to them, he goes, You guys, you ran so well. You were doing so good. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? In other words... People were coming in and saying, hey, you can live any old way you want. God still loves you and he's going to save you. And go ahead and continue to go down that road because God's cool with it. And and actually, you're showing a, a, a more mature walk in God when you can actually live in sin and feel good about yourself before a holy God. You actually are mature. And Paul goes, are you kidding me? You used to run well. You used to say, no, I want to root this sin out of my life. God, help me to not go down these roads. God, help me not to allow my mind to to consider sin. Lord, help me to not... Put my hand or my feet or my eyes or my mind or my ears to that which is displeasing to you. And God, when it does happen, God, convict me, help me to get up and maybe even have to leave my cloak in the hand of the one that I'm involved in sin with that I may run out of the house naked as Joseph did so that he does not sin before you, God, so that I might not sin against you. Do you, have you ever had a, a walk with the Lord where you go, Lord, I want to be pure. I want to follow you no matter what. And Lord, reveal to me the sin in my life that I may root it out. Where in my life is my life a contradiction to your word? God, you saved me. I owe everything that I am to you. And if that means that I have sin in me that I am finding comfort in, because other Christians are doing it, because I see that some pastors are saying, hey, it's cool to, it's okay, it's all right. As if we have this pass, this spiritual pass before the Lord. Well, you know, Lord, I only did it because Joel Olstein said I could. And so actually, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't have a problem If you have a problem, it should be with him, not with me, because I was just doing what a pastor said. Oh, listen, understand. Every pastor is going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account for every word that he says. James says, let not many of you become teachers, lest you incur a stricter wrath. That should scare people, but it doesn't scare people anymore. And it wasn't scaring these people that were going into the Corinthian church and teaching them a different gospel teaching them something that Paul didn't ever teach them, teaching them something that was something that was anti-biblical anti-Christ and yet putting lipstick on it and making it sound spiritual and gang it's hard it's hard to understand what has lipstick on it and what is genuine all that you need to do is have the Mormons or, or the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door one day. Have them knock on your door. And you find that for many Christians, they don't have the weaponry, they don't have the knowledge to stand before a Jehovah's Witness and give a, give a testimony of who it is that, that they are in Christ. But they can be turned around so twisted in their mind based upon the twisted theology of Jehovah's Witnesses because they're using the Word of God against you. But because you and I are ill-equipped to understand what's genuine and what is counterfeit, the Word of God can be twisted to make it sound spiritual when in all actuality what that will do is lead you right down the road of hell. Are you telling me, Pastor Don, that somebody can come to me and quote scripture to me, and you said that that could be a lie? Absolutely. One hundred percent. I am not in bad company because my Lord Jesus Christ said the same thing. You remember? Forty days and night in the wilderness, Jesus fasted. What happened? Satan came to him. What did Satan do? quoted to him scriptures three different times. And Jesus counteracted the scripture that Satan gave to him with other scripture that was accurate. Satan was using scripture in a deceptive way to get Jesus to sin. Sounded spiritual. It sounded spiritual, but Jesus, obviously, being the author and the finisher of our faith, knowing what is true, what is not, knew exactly what Satan was doing. You and I, we put ourselves in a place of danger when we're not very smart when it comes to the Word of God. It's one of the reasons why, guys and gals, we we really need to be in the Word of God. You need to be flushing your mind with the Word. You need to be renewing your mind on a day-by-day basis. Even if you pull up a, 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 a Bible program on your phone and let it read to you, do it. Let the word of God dwell in, in you richly. So that when the counterfeit comes, you'll realize what the genuine is. You remember the story of the Department of Treasury where, you know, the, the or the Federal Reserve, where the people who handle, you know, the money, you know, and they, they weed out the counterfeit, you know, from the true The person asks, you know, how do you know what's counterfeit? How do you know what's real? Do you have to study the counterfeits? Do you have to go in and take, you know, major classes and seminars and many meetings and many, you know, uh, different breakout groups to know what a counterfeit bill looks like? And the answer is absolutely not. We're never allowed to touch a counterfeit we're only allowed to look and understand and feel and smell and 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 every one of our senses understanding what the genuine is so that when the counterfeit comes along we know immediately we just chuck it aside it's much the same thing with the word of god we must know the word of god so that when the counterfeit comes we know that as satan comes in and says hey don't hey you're hungry jesus you're hungry it's 40 days it's been 40 days huh since you had anything to eat or drink, wow, that's pretty wild. You see this, these stones here. You know that the word of God says that, man, ye will make even the stones bread. I mean, come on. He'll do it. Go for it. You've got to be hungry. I mean, isn't it scripture that God would make these stones to be bread? I mean, you can't refute that, right? Jesus says, have you not also read? The word says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every mouth that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Don't! Here's Satan using scripture to Jesus, and Jesus accurately using the genuine to understand when the counterfeit comes in. Not that what Satan said was not the Bible verse was true, but how he was using it was a lie. Jesus says everything that comes out of Satan's mouth is a lie. How could it be that he uses a Bible verse and it's a lie? Because he's using it in a deceptive manner. That, gang, I know I've spent a little bit of time on this, but I want you to understand. Know this. Know this. Please know this. The TV, the, the churches, the pulpits are filled with people doing much of what Satan did in giving you scripture and then walking around what the meaning of that scripture is in order to culturally make it relevant. The Bible isn't here to become relevant socially. The Bible is what it is. The Bible doesn't change to fit us. We change to fit the word of God. That's what it is. And that's what's happening with Paul. Paul says, listen, back in chapter 11, these guys that are doing this, they are false apostles, verse 13, chapter 11 of Second Corinthians. These guys are false apostles. They're deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder they do that, Paul says, for Satan himself, himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now here, here's what Paul's saying. And and I understand what Paul what what I, I think I I think I understand. I don't totally understand. I can't totally understand his feeling and all the things that were going through his mind, but I can say this. And based upon 10, 11, and 12 of 2 Corinthians chapters 10, 11, and 12 what you see is Paul saying hey they charge you they come in and they deceive you they don't tell you the gospel they're false workers you think I am not my appearance isn't nice not like theirs you say they have eloquency of speech and you know what I don't have that I know I don't I know. I don't. Paul, you're just jealous that those guys are better than you. Absolutely not. I'm jealous for you, and I love you, and I care for you. That's what I care about. I care about truth. I care about Christ. I care about the love that Christ has for his people. And I don't want that to be compromised. I don't want, I don't want it to be compromised. And and, and so here's the thing. In verse 19, he says there in chapter 11, you, you you'll put up with fools gladly since you yourself are wise. <laughs> and by the way, that's that's a, a kind of an obnoxious statement. You know, that's kind of a a a a you know a tongue in cheek that Paul is using here. <laughs> you guys are so wise it's 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 not that they are wise he's pointing out to them that you don't know what you're doing you're going to put up with fools gladly since you yourselves are wise for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage <coughs> because what will happen is that pastor will get up here and he'll teach you things and what will happen is that you'll listen to what he says even though it's not what the word of god says he's going to put you under bondage he's going to he's going to exact finances out of you he's going to find he's going to exact you know uh, service out of you he's going to change what the word of god says in order to please him but this guy isn't going to stick around he's going to go where he can get more when he's when he has exhausted everything he can get from you he's going to go to the next church and that's how he's going to provide for himself You'll put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. What he's saying is that these guys are coming in here and they're being so obnoxious and they're so being so brazen that they're going in there and they're saying, we're spiritual and you're not, whap, whap. Wake up. And, and, and they'll, they'll even abuse you physically. And you'll well put up with that. But to our shame, he says in verse 21, I'm saying that we're, we were just too weak for that. We weren't able to do that. But in whatever one is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. And then Paul goes on and he starts talking about who he is. And his reason for saying this, let me, let me go on. He, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Israelites? Yep. The seed of Abraham? Yep, that's me too. Are, are they ministers of Christ? I'm going to speak as a fool. I am more. I am more of a minister of Christ. And let me give you my credentials. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. Stripes don't mean pinstripes. Stripes mean... Being whipped and having open wounds on your back that grow back and create scars that are stripes on your, on your flesh. If you pulled Paul's shirt off, you'd look on his back and go, my goodness, what in the world did you get yourself into? He was a massive scar. He says, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, from the Jews... Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five stripes minus one. They whipped me 195 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. So I was beaten with rods to the point where the welts were coming up and open. it opened my skin up. What do you think his back looked like? 195 whips. Have you ever played with a whip? Have you ever played with a whip where when you whip and it comes back and it hits you accidentally because you don't know what you're doing I've done it it hurts and you go ow and it brings out a big welt well that's just that's just a, a a glancing blow but if 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 someone is going at you and knowing what they're doing with that whip and whack they can take a chunk of your flesh out with one just one whip 195 times that happened to Paul. And over and above that, 195 times, you didn't just get chunks out of you, but also this. I was also beaten with rods. I don't know how this guy healed up enough to to actually endure the next beating. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. And I've been in the deep in journeys often in perils of water in perils of robbers in perils of my own country in perils of the Gentiles in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness besides the other things that come upon me daily my deep concern is for all of you the churches who is weak I'm not, and I'm not weak Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation if I must boast? Now, here's what he's saying. How many of these men that you've allowed to come in, and even women that you've allowed to come in and teach you a different gospel, would ever go to this measure in order to preach to you, or in order to teach you, or in order to to grow you up in the Lord? How many of them would do this? How many of them, those pretty faces, when a whip began to be threatened against them would they go, okay, 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 okay I deny it, okay, okay, okay I don't want, I don't want to be whipped please just don't whip me Paul says, man, I did that five times, Thirty, forty 40 stripes minus one, 39 times I was whipped five times with 39 whips and with rods And and, and so, how many of them would do this? They're sitting here and they're fleecing you. They're taking your money and they're putting you under spiritual bondage. Let me tell you this. You're, you're, You're looking at the wrong thing. You're listening to the wrong people. Guys, we've got to be careful. Because this is exactly what we are in today in our world. And it's running rampant in the church. When I say church, I use that very, very loosely. We've got to be very careful of who it is that we listen to and who it is that we embrace. Know your word of God. Know the word of God. Know that that the word of God is true and every man a liar. And what that means is that if any man comes and says something that is contradictory to the word of God, the word of God isn't what is lying but the man is who is lying and you need to listen to what the word of god says more than any person ever does well that's what paul's doing he's going listen if you're asking me to boast i'll boast in that i I don't want to you're making me do this you're making me boast in these things and i don't want to do that because that's not what it's about the focus should never be upon me the focus should always be on christ I'm not here to sell books. I'm not here to sell tapes. I'm not here to hey, I did a series and now I'm charging you ninety bucks for the six CDs. I, I, you know, I, I have even some people that I, I love that have done that, and I, I just it bothers me. Thinking ninety bucks for a, for a, a six CD series? For goodness sakes, I know that it doesn't cost you ninety bucks to put that together and that's how you're making money come on Do you imagine Jesus saying here's the thing y'all are hungry I got seven loaves and two fish I'm going to multiply it I'm going to feed five thousand with it but only only if you give me a denarius only if you give me this I mean I had to do the work. I had to actually make it multiply. And and, and I'm afraid that this is running rampant in the church. I, I don't I don't want to trash down on people who you know make some money off of you know, to live. But when that money starts getting into the millions and millions and millions of dollars, I, 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 I begin to question the motive. I think of the, 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 the songs that we have with the songs that we sing. I, and I know I, I'm going to probably get a letter or two maybe from somebody here or somebody who's listening to this on the CD or on, on the web. But here's the thing the songs that we sing every week I have to report to a place called CCLI Christian Copyright Licensing and what happens is that we pay a certain amount of money to sing these songs every year otherwise we can't sing them legally because they're uh, patented I know a, a guy I know a guy I know a guy, right, who actually wrote a a very well-known song. This is back in the '80s. Back in the '80s, he wrote one of the Christian songs that even still to this day is being sung. But back in the '80s, it was a pretty well-known song. But he had done it eight or ten years prior to that. The guy was still re- receiving a a uh, a. Uh, a royal, I couldn't think of the, the name a royalty check every year at, at that, that one year that he was receiving it it was 60 grand for one song we still sing it today every time that song sung he's paid money and so when you start looking at that and you go wow okay, I, I, do I have a problem with that I, I don't know do I have a problem with it when I go to a Christian concert and it costs me 60, 70 bucks to get in man you couldn't have cut it down a little bit well you got to get the venue I just am thankful that Jesus didn't do that but this is their profession yeah this is their profession is it right to be paid from that yeah you never want to muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain Paul says that But when it gets to a point where the minister is living so far above those that he's trying to minister to, I think that he loses credibility. He begins to lose really the whole purpose of why he's doing it in the first place. One of the reasons I so desperately loved a musician by the name of Keith Green. There's a lot of you guys that don't know who Keith Green is. A lot of people don't like him because he was very much in your face Christianity. Don't you see? Don't you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? You want to see them drown? How can you be so numb? Not to care if they come. You close your eyes and pretend they're the job's done. I mean it, that's kind of in your face. Jesus rose from the grave, but you, you can't even get out of bed. <laughs> uh, it's pretty, pretty much in your face. But he, he got to the point where he's going, I want to break my record contract because this isn't right, this isn't right. Here's the thing, I'm going to start doing my concerts for free. I'm going to start giving away my albums and my, my music for free. If you can pay for it, Great. Because there is a cost to do all this stuff. There is a cost. So if you can pay and give some, hey, do it. But if you can't, don't, don't, don't not take this music. I'm not charging anything for anyone. Just, just take it. It's free. It's yours. God gave it to me. I give it to you freely. Know that there are some expenses that take to make the record and to make the, you know, the, the covers and so on and so forth. But here's the thing. God will provide for that. You go back and you get yourself a, a, a tape or a, you know a, a, an album. I, I like that heart. I don't necessarily see that heart today. But Paul, I, and I know that that can sound very negative. Well, that, you know, Pastor Don, you're a small church. You're in a small church. You you are jealous. That's what Paul's dealing with. That's what they were saying to Paul. You're jealous. You're not very eloquently dressed. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's what they. That's what Paul was saying. You're short. Yep, me too. You're not very good looking. Well, now I have a problem with that one. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul goes. These guys might look the part, but they're not the part. And I. I'm not. Sitting here trying to blow a horn and say, I am the part. I pray to God that I will always be a part and do the right thing and say the right thing and not cower back because more people will leave the church than come in. That's okay. God called me here for him. I'm to minister to the people that God puts in a congregation and I'm going to do it to the very level-headed best that I can. But I can't control the sheep coming in or out. I'm going to do it what Christ calls me to do. He called me here when he calls me away or if he ever calls me away, I'll do what he wants me to do. But until that time comes, I have to be uncompromising in what it is that God's called me to do. I'm going to not wishy-wash, I'm not going to water down the word in order to make it fit what it is that I think you need to hear in order for you to keep coming. Not going to happen. And Paul says, listen, I do this I'm boasting in these things, and I don't want to boast. But I'm forced to. We talked about the last time we were together, how he was saying it's doubtless not profitable for me. In chapter 12, verse 1, it's doubtful not profitable. It is doubtless not profitable for me to, to boast. I don't want to do this. I, I do not, it's not profitable for me to boast. I don't want to boast. That's not what I'm here for. But I'm forced to do this. And he said last chapter, listen, this is not the Lord that's doing this. This is me. And I think that there's an air of frustration in Paul as he does this. He says... I, I'm going to come to visions and revelation. I've, I've just told you and given you my credentials of how many times I've been beaten, how many times I've been rotted, to get rotted, and how many times I've been stoned, how many times all of this stuff has happened to me for the sake of the gospel. I'm going to tell you one more thing. I'm going to tell you one more thing. I, when it comes to visions and revelation, because obviously some of these pastors were getting up and saying, I saw the Lord, and this is what happened, and this is what he said, and this is what he wants to do, and this is... and when that vision comes out and it's contradictory to the Word of God, again, what happens when a man says this or a woman says this from the pulpit, but the Bible says something different? Who is lying? Let God be true and every man what? A liar. And so here's the thing. Paul says, I know you're listening to visions in Revelation. And you're thinking because they've had this experience, maybe a near-death experience, and they say, this is what I saw. And now I'm going to write a book about it. And I will, I'm will i selling my book. It's on the back table. I'm charging 18 bucks a book. Okay? All right? You just pick one up. It's 18 bucks. It's not much. To hear my story of how I went into heaven or how I went into hell or how I died or how I whatever... You end up buying a book like that and you begin to read it and you go, wow, that's pretty interesting. But I don't know how it jives with the Word of God because what you're saying is actually contradictory to what the Word of God says. All I know is that's what I saw. Paul says, listen, I'm going to come to visions and revelations for you, okay? I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Whether he was in the body, I don't know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. You remember me talking about that last time we were together. The first heaven is that the skies and where the birds and you know, clouds are the second heaven are the stars and the moon and the planets and what have you, the solar system. And the third heaven would be the place where the Lord resides. The first heaven, the sky, second heaven, the stars and such. And the third heaven would be heaven where the Lord resides. So, um, I know a man who, such a one, was caught up to the third heaven. I know such a man. Now, by the way, he's doing everything he can do to deflect the attention upon himself by saying, I know a guy. I know a guy. I know a guy who 14 years ago was caught up into heaven. He's diverting the attention off of himself because anytime someone stands up and draws attention to themselves and away from the lord they have become a false teacher because attention should not come to the pastor attention should not come to the pulpit attention should not come to an individual let me tell you when you put someone on a pedestal you will become disillusioned i promise you you will i ain't in a lot of trouble for what I, I, I'm about to say Now I'll probably get in some trouble for this I've had men that I've looked up to that were spiritual mentors in my life that to this day are absolute flakes in the Lord and these are men that God used so mightily in my life and they're ending so bad or they have ended not well These are men that I looked up to and that I I learned from and I was taught from and I sought counsel from and they poured into me and and I look at them now and I go, what happened? And as as a pastor who's not necessarily young anymore, in my eyes to them, I'm still young. And I look at them and say, is that going to be me when I'm your age? When I get to that point, is, that, is what you are who I'm going to be? God, never let it happen. Don't let me go down the road of that guy, or of that guy, or of that guy, or of that guy. Four of my main influences in my life. I look at and I go, man. God, these are guys that you used in my life. What happened? It can happen to me? I will tell you, it can happen to you. It can happen to all of us. You know, God has taught me through all this. He's taught me this. Keep your eyes off of men. Keep your eyes off of individuals. You put your eyes on me. You fix your eyes on me. Because men, women, people are weak. I'm jealous for your worship. I'm jealous for your love. I'm a jealous God. And we, we look at that and that kind of, we scratch our head on that, don't we? The Bible says God's a jealous God. He declares that he's a jealous God. Yes, he does. But I thought that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that or chapter uh, 12, 11, 12, 13, 13. <laughs> love is not jealous. So you're saying God, is not love because he's jealous? No. No. God's using the word jealousy in the purest and the most truest sense that it possibly can be because here's the thing. You ever wonder why? And people will mock God on this. People who are agnostic, people who are atheists, people who are anti-Christ, they'll look at God and go, he's a narcissistic God because he demands People put their affection upon him and not upon other people. He's a narcissistic God, which means that he needs to be worshipped. No, you got it all wrong. God knows that if you place your eyes on anyone else in the whole wide world and place that kind of accolade upon, you will be let down. Can I say that again? If you place your eyes right now, in all of us in this room right now, or anybody who's listening on the web right now, listen, understand this. Whoever you, all of us have somebody that we look up to and we, 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 we place just on a different pedestal. We place on just a different plane than we are because we we feel that they have it all figured out. We feel that they're very mature, they're beyond mature, beyond what we'll ever attain. And we look to that person and we go, "Man, I don't I'm never going to attain to that place, but here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to so honor and respect that person and man, and what they say that comes out of their mouth, I'm going to just kind of receive it, man. I'm going to I'm just I'm going to act like a little childhood girl looking at her favorite rock star or, or hip-hop star and going, ha, ah, you know. And because, wow, they're here. Look at that. I used to go to conferences like that where these pastors would come up and I'd see him and I'd go, my goodness, I'm in the same room with this pastor. That has meant so much to me. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> I didn't pee. That's good. That was a joke. See, you never laugh. Here's the thing, because you you you're so excited to see, and and they ought not be in that place. There shouldn't be anybody like that in our life. What I love about Paul is he's very transparent, and he gets him in trouble. People say, "Oh, he's jealous." He doesn't care what you think. He only cares what God thinks. Paul, you're, you're not one of the apostles that were with Jesus. Even though he got saved. Even though, Paul, you got saved. Got knocked off your high horse on the way to Damascus. And and you were there and you were preaching Christ for a little while. And and you you got so hot that they had to lower you over the wall in a basket so you could escape because they were trying to kill you there. Paul says, I did not immediately return to Jerusalem and confer with those who seemed to other people to be much bigger than what they really were. You know who he's talking to? You know who he's talking about? He's talking about the apostles. Because people would look at the apostles and go, oh, it's apostle Peter. He was with Jesus. And Paul says, that didn't matter to me. These guys are nothing apart from Christ. They're just Simple sinners just like you and I. Don't place Peter on a pedestal. Don't place John on a pedestal. Don't place Paul on a pedestal. Don't place a pastor on a pedestal. Don't place a Christian worker on a pedestal because they will let you down and you, I promise you, will become disillusioned. But that's not God's fault. That's your fault for placing that kind of emphasis upon a person when God's saying, bring me your worship, bring me your love. I'm jealous for that because I know that if you do that with someone and place that kind of accolade upon another individual, you will become disillusioned in me because they didn't live up to who it is that I can live up to be. Does that make sense? I'm God. They're not. They are a sinner saved by grace just like you are. They put their pants on just like you do. They get sick just like you do. There is not an individual upon the face of this earth that you need to place upon a pedestal. The only one you place upon a pedestal is God. Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, When I came to you, I did not come to you with an eloquence of speech or this vast wisdom. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. Gang, if you can look to Jesus and He be your hero for the rest of your life and you do not place accolades upon and, and all of this, this, this glowing you know, uh, you know, accolades upon any other individual in this life, but it's only upon Jesus, you're going to be doing well. Because Jesus is not going to let you down. And Jesus is bananas for you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You've heard that before, haven't you? Paul says, I, I'm not doing things to bring attention to me. I want to draw attention to Jesus. Don't ever draw attention to yourself. But it, but it. And, and here's the thing, guys. Doesn't it feel good when people say really, really, really nice things about you? it does it gives us validation I think one of the biggest issues that I see on social media is that people need affirmation that they're they need their self-esteem built up they need they need to, to have acceptance from everyone around them it's one of the reasons why people post selfies about themselves it's a selfie boom I want someone to acknowledge that I look good or that I am worth or I have worth. I'm sorry if that's you. I I don't mean to step on any toes here, but here's the thing. What that does is that that details a deeper problem in our life. When we need to seek recognition from others in order to validate our worth, we've missed God. We don't understand who God is. We only need the affirmation of one, and it's God. And Who cares what anybody else thinks? Who cares? Your value is not measured in what other people think. Your value is measured in who Jesus is. That's it. That's why Paul says, I, I had a vision. And I was caught up into paradise, man, 14 years ago, man. Please don't place something upon me that is more than what it needs to be. Because I will let you down and you will become disillusioned. And I don't want to bear the responsibility of your disillusionment in God based upon my failures. You keep your eyes on focused on Christ. That's what he's saying. I know a man 14 years ago in the body, I don't know, out of the body, I don't know, God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. Now, I know this such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, last time we were together, I talked about paradise. You can go back and pick up that message online. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. He says, I'm not going to boast in the good things that happen in my life. The only thing that I will boast is in my infirmities. I will do that, because that helps me to maintain my weakness, that helps me to maintain a view of myself that's healthy and not one that is over, you know, uh, thinking of myself more highly than what I should. For though I might desire, our, our flesh desires to boast, does it not? Our flesh desires to boast. I will not be a fool, he says, but I will speak the, for I will speak the truth. But I forbear lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And that's going to be our next next message about that. To buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Here he says, Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sakes. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Here's the thing. We're gonna that's our message next week. But here's here's the thing. What Paul's saying here today. He says, I saw a vision. It was in heaven. And I'm not gonna charge you for it. I'm not gonna, you know, here's the thing. It's the only time we ever hear of Paul talking about this vision, and it's 14 years later. Think about it. Fourteen years, we've known you for 14 years, Paul, and just now you're saying that you had a vision, that you had this revelation of heaven. You saw heaven. You were caught up into the third heaven. You were caught up into paradise, which I, again, like I say, last message we talked about paradise. Paradise was once in the center of the Earth. Now it's not. It was risen. It's in heaven with the Lord. Paul says, I was caught up into third heaven and I was caught up into paradise. Paradise is with the Lord right now. And so he was, he was in heaven and he says how he was caught up into paradise, verse 4, and he heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, something that fascinates us are near-death experiences. They call them NDE's. Or OBE's, out-of-body experiences. Something that's interesting. Just stick with me for another three or four minutes and we'll be done. It's interesting. Near-death experiences, I saw the Lord, I saw this light, I saw this peace, there was a peace, there was something there. You know there are documented facts and documented uh, uh, reports of out-of-body experiences that just this person on a gurney laying in a hospital room had no ability to know. Out-of-body experience. There's a story of a lady who crashed on on a table, crashed on a on a, on a on a on a car. What I mean by that is she she died. Her her heart went out. They called it dead, gave her a time of death and then hours later she's back to life again and she asked about a shoe tennis shoe that was out on a ledge on like the 7th floor or something like that of the hospital building why they have a tennis shoe out there, what was the purpose of the tennis shoe out there, I didn't understand and, and somebody went out and looked, and sure enough, there was a tennis shoe sitting out there. I, how do I explain it? I can't explain it. I can't explain it. She was dead. She was in the hospital room. She was laying on her gurney. She got a, you know. There's a lot of out-of-body experiences where people were saying, oh, yeah, I'm alive. But you know, you guys, I saw you guys working on someone. You guys were doing a really good job. I couldn't see who it was. But well, where were you? I was actually above you. I was, I was over in that part of the room. I was above watching and looking down. And so you, you have these things, but then we have those that go beyond the hospital room or just outside of the hospital room or, or, or maybe even you know, you know being in the hospital and, and, and actually traveling to maybe your home where someone is and you see things and it can be verified of what you saw and what was said or what was being done. There's a story, it's kind of hilarious, a story of a woman who was, was dying and she was right on the brink of death, and and the the you know, she dies according to clinical death. And uh, you know, a while later, she came back to life after they had shut the machines off and everything. They somewhere along the line, she ended up coming back to life. Don't know the whole story or what have you, but but she asked. You know, as, as she came back to life and all the family and friends came in, her family came into the room to see her after her life had been restored, she asked why uh, such and such was in the waiting room asking, um, you know, making a statement, why would you say such a hurtful thing? Um, if she's going to die, I wish that she would just do it because I have a meeting at one o'clock. Why did you say that? And everybody's jaw just dropped. How, how could she have known? Again, I, don't, I, I can't explain those things. You know, all that those things do is that they, they give credence to there's something beyond life, right? There's something beyond life. So when you die, you don't just cease to exist. That's one of the points that I, w- I want to I point out. Another point that I want to point out is that if someone sees something that is contradictory to Scripture... I would be very hesitant to receive what that person has to say. When someone says, I went to heaven and this is what I saw and this is and this is what the Lord wants to share with everyone, and all of a sudden it comes back and it's something beyond what the Word of God is saying. I think, well, did you not get it all in scripture? Lord, did I mean it did two thousand years need to go by and you had to say this thing that really doesn't Amount to a whole lot of other things other than love your neighbor, you know, or something like that. Or 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 that that you know, whatever the, the message would be that you came back and this is what Jesus wanted to tell people. Again, if it doesn't match up with what Scripture is, you've got to be very careful. Because here's the thing. We're fascinated by the miraculous. But we gotta be careful with the miraculous. We, we don't measure things based upon, Paul says, listen, what I saw, what I heard, it's not even lawful for a man to, to regurgitate, it's not even lawful for me to actually tell you what it is that I saw. I can't write it down, I didn't write a book. Two minutes in heaven, this is what I saw. I mean, there's a movie I'm sure that a lot of you guys have seen. I think it's called Heaven is Real or, you know, something like that. You know, where a little kid, he died and he went to heaven and he saw all these things. Well, there's another story of another kid that died and he went to heaven. He had a very similar story like that. And that kid comes out and they're very similar. But that other kid who died before this one kid, he ends up coming back and saying, Hey, you know what? It was all a lie. I just was lying. And so how much, do you, to, how much credence do you put in that? And And it's not that you don't put any credence in it, but that shouldn't be the basis on which you're so fascinated. All that it should do is spark an understanding in you that there is coming a day for you to live and there's coming a day for you to die. Paul says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You and I have one life to live. And you you and I have one life to die. And then the judgment. But there is life beyond the grave. It's your decision whether you're going to be in heaven or whether you're going to be separated from God in hell. And Paul's whole passion for the church was, guys, don't get hung up on false teachers. Don't get hung up on things that seem really cool when they're contradictory to the word of God. Don't get caught up on out-of-body experiences. Because I had one and I can't even explain to you what it is that I saw. I wouldn't be able to explain it to you even if I was able, even if I could. It's like teaching a blind man what the color of red looks like. Well, it's red. What is red? Well, it's a pigment. What's a pigment? Well, it's well, it's red. <laughs> I don't know. How, how, do you, how do you do that? You can't. You can't give and paint a picture a, a picture of red. No pun intended. You, you, don't, you can't do that. Just like we can't explain heaven. I mean, for goodness sakes, the seraphim and cherubim freak me out. And you think about that, and you just go, wow, that isn't, wow, I don't, I don't understand. Ezekiel and these wheels and things like I don't understand that either. All I know is that it is appointed unto me once to die and then the judgment. Until that day of death comes, I, you, me, we should be living in concert with what this word of God says. If you don't, you and I will answer for it. Be careful, guys. Don't be fascinated by what the world can offer you. Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, Paul has just said. Don't believe it. But it sounds very spiritual. Don't believe it. Satan always lies. But it's scripture. He'll use scripture to deceive you into believing a lie. Take the word of God and handle it carefully. Know it yourself. Know the genuine so that when the counterfeit comes, you and I are not duped. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, I know i have taken a little bit extra time today. I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, that this hasn't exceeded uh, the capacity to remember much of what we've talked about here today. And I pray, Lord, that today we can honestly all go out of here knowing and, and feeling a freedom, knowing that, I don't ever have to impress another person upon the face of this earth. I only have to impress the Lord. I I don't have to be accepted by the world. I just have to be accepted by Jesus because really when it all comes down to it, the world is going to pass away and all that is therein, the only thing that resides forever is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's who I want to live for. The only one I should be concerned about is you. Lord, may we live for you. May we grow up in you. May we we understand that this world and the vast majority of of the religious thinking is leading us away from you. May we be students of your word so that we would know what is true and what is false, what is counterfeit and what is genuine. May we make you proud, Lord. May we place you upon your throne, the pedestal, and remove anyone else that we've placed up on a pedestal in our life. doesn't mean we can't honor people. But Lord, help us guard our hearts and our minds from placing someone on a pedestal that when they fall, when they blow it, when they do things that are just not in character, in step with your character, Lord, that we don't become disillusioned with you because we've placed somebody in the place of you. May we always look at you on the throne, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you, you endured that cross, you despised the shame, and right now you sit down on that throne. And you make intercession for me. Thank you, God. May I run with my race with endurance and cast aside every weight and sin that would so easily beset me. And may I look unto you, Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at CalvaryChapelCF.com or call our office at 941 926 3717. That's 941 926 3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.